to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go. Subway Sports Talk. You know where it is. Apple Podcasts app, Spotify. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. No matter how you do it, whenever you do it, we're here to give you that content tonight. It's extra special because, let me tell you, Game 7 Nuggets Clippers did not go the way that many expected it to go. In fact, I would say this is one of the bigger shocks we've seen in the NBA in quite a long time. So before I even go to the outsiders, you know, Duffy, Kyle, Frank, I need to bring in a special cat right now. My mentor of sorts in a career. It's a long time coming for you to be on the podcast. Chris Mangan. What's good? I know what's good with you, but what's good with you right now? Oh, baby. What a night. What a night. Game seven in the books. The 3-1 thrillers do it once again against the choke job Clippers. I cannot believe tonight went the way it did. Although, can I? Another monster game from Jamal Murray, 40 points. Another monster game from the Joker, triple-double. Another disappearing act from playoff PU. Ooh. Gone, vanished, put him on a milk carton. He went what? Four of 16, one off the backboard, two of 11 from three. Gone, ghost, ghost George, out of here. I mean, unbelievable effort from the Nuggets. A masterful coaching job by Mike Malone compared to Doc Rivers. Doc just lost again tonight. You saw him in, the, in between the third and fourth quarters. Just had no idea what was going on in that interview with Rachel Nichols. I'm, I'm stunned. I'm excited. I'm overwhelmed. I knew it was coming. Nuggets Moneyline game six. Nuggets Moneyline <laughs> game seven. It was all over it the whole way. Man, I'm excited. Let's get into it. We're, we're jacked up right now. And frankly, this, this podcast has touched on the Nuggets quite a bit. In fact, some would say that we've come at the Nuggets pretty hard a couple times with uh, the Jokic hate on the defense in the Jazz series. You know, Ken Murray keep it up against the Clippers. And no one truly, truly expected this to happen. And, and I, for one, was so torn. And I said it on Twitter, and this sparked the conversation between Chris and I. We've been talking about it for a while now, but... I was so torn not knowing whether I wanted the Nuggets, which is a team I really like and root for and has players I really like and root for, to beat the Clippers and for us to be, quote, stripped of an L.A. battle between Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. How many more opportunities of that battle will we have, you know, in their careers? So it's sad. But when you come down to it, the Nuggets beat the Clippers straight up in seven-game series, coming back from a 3-1 deficit, for the second time in this playoffs, absolutely incredible. Chris, we're coming back to you because I know that was just the tip of the iceberg. But let's bring in our guys here. Uh, first and foremost, John Lucas Duffy. What's good, dog? Yikes. I feel like I'm the one who should be on the milk carton right now. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll come back to you, Duff. Frank Villani also here. What's good, man? Here's going on, PD. Bro, you, we, it's going on. And, and Kyle, you're uh, last but not least specifically – on the intro here because, you know, you came out hard on the Nuggets. You came out hard on Jokic. But like we said before the pod, it wasn't because they were just straight up being trash. It was because we had expectations of them to be better and we're told that they're better. So, Kyle, how are you feeling after the Nuggets just you did know another one? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm actually feeling pretty good right now. 
And the reason why is because Jokic, yes, he balled out. But guess what? A lot of this, a lot of stuff we talk about on this pod is about his defense, at least from coming from my side. I did recognize that, you know, his offense has always been spectacular. And, uh, you know, obviously, you remember how much I praise uh, Murray. So that's just, you know, that's where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm, I'm actually fine. It's it's, all it, good. it's definitely like a weird vindication for you. Cause uh, like I said, it yeah. wasn't, and I was with you. I was like, listen, I'm like the biggest Jokic fan in the world. You know, him and Harden are like my guys who I stand to a fault. And I was just saying like, it's, it's time for the nuggets to not be this cute team that has a great offense in the regular season. And, and now Jokic is an all-star getting MVP votes, first team, all NBA type stuff. Like that's great. And that's fine. That's dandy. And now Giannis just went through it. The MVPs mean what when you lose in the second round? I don't know. Maybe nothing. Those, these MVPs, in hindsight, will now become different when we look back on it, just like Harden's has, just like Russell Westbrook's has. Will Giannis hit that same level? Now Jokic and Murray can say with confidence, like, yo, we faced up against the guys you're calling the big bad wolves, the L.A. Clippers, yep. and we beat them. So we weren't saying they didn't have it. We said they had to show it, and that's exactly what they did. And you said... If if I can quote you correctly, you said the nugget the Nuggets need to nut up, yep. and they did. So they did. They they answered the call, Pete. You know, and and they're moving on because of it. You know, and obviously we'll have another story to tell about the Clippers. Absolutely, and uh, you know, quick quick uh, housekeeping here, Subway Sports Talk. I I was so excited to just get into it today. I didn't get to do any of the normal stuff. You know where to find it, Subway uh, Subway Sports Talk, Apple Podcast, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, rate review. You know, you know what to do if you if you like the show. But Chris Mangan is here, John Lucas Duffy is here, Frank Villani and Kyle Anderson and myself. We're gonna talk Heat and Celtics as well because you know after that game, the group chat. You know, we needed like a mental break. We needed a breather because we were all hyped up. We were watching Jimmy do Jimmy things. Bam out of bio making the crazy block. The group chat had to like take a chill pill for a moment. And then all of a sudden we turn around fourth quarter nuggets are, are rolling with it. And, and here we are now having to talk about that before we even get to the incredible game one in the East Conference final. So Chris, why don't I go back to you? What was it about this nuggets team and perhaps about this Clippers team that led to your confidence about a week or two ago when you start texting me like, yo, nuggets, 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 let's go. This is no joke. It's it started with the first round just showdown with with Murray and Mitchell and how he just didn't back down. Like Mitchell throws up that monster game in game one and Murray goes toe to toe with him. They get out of there with a win. Then they fall down three one, kinda lets down a little bit, starts with the fifty burger and the loss in game four. And then just helps them rally too. He was he's packing his clothes in the hotel that night. He says, You know what? I'm not ready to go home. I'm not ready for this shit. And Brought him back to the, to the next round. And here we go. Same thing. Down 3-1. Not ready to go home. He was he was in shackles a couple games this, this series. They had him locked down. And it, it took a lot to show what he was. Uh, you know, it wasn't always shooting. Some playmaking. Taking care of the ball. And then the scoring showed up tonight. And it showed up in a big, big way. You don't talk about nut up. He was... It felt like every shot he took was going to go in. That's how it felt at certain points. We were texting in the chat, like these like running three pointers, like floaters from the top of the key that he's shooting that you have this confidence that they're going to go in. Like they're crazy shots. And and he taught us now that he is a big shot maker. And it's not something we thought about him at least consistently a year ago, let alone three weeks ago. Consistency is the key to it. People were, were, 
uh, unsure of him and doubting him. And that's, he hadn't showed it consistently on the big stage like this. And here he is now two series in, you start to expect it. Those shots go up and the, uh, you talked about the, the, the running three pointer, like that one off the wrong foot towards the end of the first half where he just kind of landed funny, but it just went up and you're like, no, it's good. It's good. Cash. Like, He's just really matured uh, before our eyes these past, you know, almost month now. It's something to see. Absolutely. And uh, Duff, I want to go to you because you do a good job of keeping things in perspective now, right? So the Nuggets win the second round series. It's a hump that they needed to get over for sure because they, 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 they played soft last year in the playoffs. They, they've only ever played seven game series in the playoffs. You can't fall behind against LeBron like that. So now, you know, moving forward, is there hope for them? You know, like what did you did you see enough in this series to now believe they have what it takes to be a Western Conference final contender, not just in it? Uh yes, I did. Because even in like not not just this series that just went down, in the regular season, the Nuggets were a really tough matchup for the Lakers. Really tough. Because they don't really have the proper personnel to line up against Murray. The same way, like, I, I really thought, like, you know, Chris, you said it. He was looked like he was shackled up a few times in this series, and that was definitely true. And finally, the Clippers kind of stopped Jokic, but all that attention left way more room for Murray. So he goes for 40, and somehow Jokic has the most dominant, you know, I think Jeff Van Gundy said it, Jokic had the most dominant 5-for-13 shooting performance mm. in the history of basketball. Ended up with, like, a 22-rebound triple-double, but... I think the matchup of um, Jokic versus Anthony Davis is going to be incredible. And the matchup of Jamal Murray versus, I don't even know who guards him. Like Rondo, Caruso, Paul Caldwell, Pope, Danny. Yeah, all those guys will get a shot, I'm sure. Yeah, all those guys are going to get a shot, but none of them are going to be as effective. Like, you know, on paper, none of them are as effective as Kawhi and Paul George. But, uh, they got a they got a few guys. The uh the Nuggets got a few guys that can throw at LeBron, be it Gary Harris or uh Jeremy Grant, or if they want to even bring Dozier off the bench, like in, in pinch spots where they really are just throwing bodies at LeBron. Um and I think the Lakers are just a team where you, you probably don't well, I hesitate to say this because I was gonna say they seem like a team that you don't really have to worry about the sporting cast as much, but as we saw against the Rockets, it was just one night, one player would pop up out of nowhere every single game, be it Marquise Morris or Rondo or whoever. It just takes one of those guys to catch fire, and that's the third player that they that they get. It's like kind of third star by committee. But I think what we saw in the regular season, I always looked forward to Nuggets-Lakers game. Particularly, there was one, I forget, if it was either right before or right after the All-Star break. That was an amazing game in Denver. Uh, unfortunately, obviously no home crowds, but I, I think they got a shot against the Lakers. I really do. The fact that we're even having the conversation is pretty wild to me. And, and Kyle, I'm going to get to you in a second because I, I want to get your take on something specific in regards to the series because we haven't even mentioned the fact, you know, that Kawhi Leonard had 14 points on, what was it? 22 shots. Am I reading that correctly? I am reading that correctly. That is outrageous. Paul George had 10 points. The leading scorer for the Clippers was Montres Harrell with 20. It was a dismal performance in a game seven for a guy and a team, a guy being Kawhi Leonard, team being the Clippers, 
that we had a lot of faith in and that a lot of people picked to win the championship and were crowning Kawhi as, you know, the GOAT player in playoff-type basketball right now. That didn't happen. So we're going to get to that. But first, Frank, I want to ask you, you've been, you know, like a Will Barton guy. You've been a, a guy who's highlighted people like him and people on this Nuggets team. Now, he's not even in the bubble right now. He's not on the team. I mean, he might be back in the bubble. He's not playing right now. What are some of the other things on the Nuggets that you've been impressed with? You know, seeing them, obviously Murray and Jokic are so impressive, but what else is helping them defend and, and fill these cracks offensively? I think I, I was more impressed first series when Gary Harris came back. It was like immediate impact on Donovan Mitchell. They really had no answer for him. And then Gary Harris came and they were able to get a couple of key stops. Um which surprised me because I, I never really gave him much emphasis as one of the guys on that team that I thought was like a guy. Um, and then I would even say the emergence of Michael Porter Jr. He's um he's a legitimate threat from all three levels of the court. Very smooth offensive game. And he's like a tough rebounder. It gives them a little bit of like FU attitude that Murray has that Jokic kind of seems to be, like, more relaxed. Right. So, Order seven rebounds, seven rebounds tonight, Frank. Dude, he, he gets, only, he gets points, up like, there. Effective. When he goes for boards, yeah. Michael Porter Jr. is a high riser to grab some of these, these boards. Strong on the boards. And I think if you remember back to the pod we had last time about the Nuggets when we were ripping them a little bit, um, we did mention, like, using some of these guys that, before the playoffs we're having a lot of success in the bubble and Michael Porter Jr. is like the main culprit there. Yeah. And one, one of the issues with Mike Malone or one of the worries with Mike Malone is that he doesn't play guys when he doesn't trust them. And that's the conversation with Michael Porter Jr. All year to a lesser extent, bowl bowl because of, you know, he just came back from injury, but even PJ Dozier who Andrew Duffy Duff's brother was like, you know, singing his praises. Like this guy came in and made an impact. He's playing on both ends of the floor. You know, how is he not getting, more of a look. It, it's kind of crazy. And those guys really played a key role. Even Paul Millsap, a guy who we all looked at as somebody who was kind of fried. What did he have to offer? He offered the minimum of what a guy like he is supposed to do. Know what to do with the basketball, hit some open shots, you know, play tough. And in game five, he got in the scuffle with Marcus Morris. It seemed like their whole series turned around right there. So even guys like Millsap who may not blow up the stat sheet, but when you watch them, it's like, all right, they're making impacts. They're making winning plays. That wasn't happening on the Clippers. It just wasn't happening today where, you know, Shamit got banged up. Who knows how he was feeling. But Lou Will and Harrell had a thing going for a minute. Obviously, Kawhi and Paul George are expected to do so much, but everybody else just kind of was lackluster. So when you don't get the top-tier performance out of your top-tier guys like Kawhi and Paul George, you need to be saved. And today, for the Nuggets, it was Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, who both had 14 points on relatively, you know, good shooting. The Clippers had none of that. So, Kyle... You know, you want to make a point of emphasis here, I know, because you were making it in our group chat, about this Clippers team and about the narrative. So, you know, how intense is your disappointment in this squad? And and just what did you see from them? I think it was really um, kind of a... Uh, I think Doc Rivers missed an opportunity to um, make Jokic play defense. And I'm not, like, just... I'm not, like, picking on Jokic at all. What I'm really saying is that Jokic had free reign to do whatever he wanted on offense. And it really didn't look like 
he was really working too crazy on on defense. Um, and the reason why I say that, okay, I looked up some stats. His percentage against uh, Zubac was uh, 46.9%. But one of the more telling things for me is stats against Harrell. Okay, Montrez Harrell, he was shooting 71.4%. Oh, boy. So, to me, just, you know, we're just from the common eye, if you look at Jokic, and I'm not, you know, he's like, you know, like we always talk about, the old man at the Y athletic, you know, not super long. But we saw what happened with him with Gobert, you know, the problems that he gave him in the last series. And you look at Harrell, who's not really obviously as, as tall as Jokic but is definitely a bigger and more athletic guy than him. The fact that he's able to get 71.4%, you know, tells me that he's not really, you know, getting worked on the defensive end. Okay. And, you know, Clippers didn't really, you know, obviously I know it's not really in their game plan with Kawhi and PG for high pick and rolls, but I think they just could have used it a little bit more. Um, But like we talked about, like getting, you know, terrible minutes from uh just Kawhi and PG like four of 16 and six of 22 that's uncalled for and obviously um unacceptable but you know what they had multiple opportunities to close the series out and they didn't do it you know a lot of the time you know you'll hear it's like you hear people at the park sometimes saying like oh like don't play with your food like if you're playing you know if you're you got the ball and you're going to make a move on somebody, you're trying to do too much, dude, don't play your food. Just just go and get it, you know, go and get after it, go to the basket. They play with their food, and they, you know, they really just lost a huge opportunity, but they had multiple opportunities to win this, you know, to win this. And I just definitely want to give credit to, like you said, uh, Frank, Gary Harris, who came in, you know, in this series and contributed a lot, another defender on the on the wing. Um, and Jeremy Grant hitting those threes in the third quarter, I think really jump-started uh, the Nuggets in the third and started to separate them. Uh, when Doc Rivers had to call those timeouts after he started getting hot, I think, uh, you know, that really changed the game for sure. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, I saw a meme. I guess it was a meme. Maybe it was like a regular post. I don't know. But it basically said that Pat Beverly, you know, Marcus Smart is who Pat Beverly thinks he is. And watching Marcus Smart in this Celtics series, obviously, which we're not going to get into just yet, the confidence he plays with to to not that's not just rowdiness and and you know yelling and taking charges. And yeah, Marcus Smart flops more than the next guy. Uh, Patrick Beverly is not a saint in that department. And to me, Pat Beverly gets this image of a, a true stopper. And you know, this is his time to shine. And you're the main guard defender on a guy like Jamal Murray. You know, Kawhi and Paul George, and me and Duffy talked about this at nauseum when we made our bet, which I haven't brought up yet, by the way, Duff. I will get there. Um, I talked about it. I was like, who's guarding Murray for the whole game? You know, Paul George and Kawhi can do it, but do you really want them chasing Jamal Murray around the court uh, for 40 minutes? Like, that's not sustainable for them to then be effective on offense. And Patrick Beverly, that's his time to show up and be the guy who he tells us he is all the time. And Russell Westbrook doesn't deserve a mea culpa here or a shout-out or whatever. But the one thing I will always back Russell Westbrook on is when Pat Beverly tries to talk smack and Russ is like, I do this, and you're just trying to do whatever the hell you're doing over there. Like, you don't do this. You're doing something different. And, and I, I couldn't feel more strongly about it than I do now because he just he wasn't that impactful. And, and you look at the stat sheet, he's like the only guy in plus-minus who's positive out of all the starters tonight. 
But what is that showing? Did any of you guys notice Patrick Beverly, you know, making truly great defensive impact here? Negative. I'll tell you what I noticed. I mean, about he had three Beverly. steals. I definitely <laughs> noticed a couple of them, no doubt. Right. He, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't make any plays. I'm just saying you talk like you're this and that. You get in first team all defense yeah, half off so, your he, mouth. He no, this is not like why. Th- this is what Frank was talking about. Uh, was it Frank? I think in the chat during the game was like, you know, the the Clippers are going to lose this game, and still the fault is going to fall on like Paul George more than Kawhi. Who said that? And that now was, we're that was Kyle. It was Kyle. Yeah. Kyle said that? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And instead, it's shifting off both of them, and you went all the way down to Patrick Beverly. Bro, he still did. When you, actually, maybe this is Kyle's point. And I was just like, not that I was disagreeing with Kyle. I, I think Kawhi is going to get ripped. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he might still get ripped in the next 10 minutes of this podcast. I think it's going to happen. But I'm into to, it. To, say, to say that Pat <laughs> Beverly doesn't deserve it, because he's the guy who's running his mouth, who's, you know, before he was playing, he was injured. He's on the sideline, like, screaming at people. Like, what yeah, are you doing? That's just who he is, though. Like, that's just in his nature. Like, I don't get mad at the Chihuahua for barking at me. <laughs> like, the Chihuahua is just biologically supposed to do that. Like, <laughs> it's just who he is. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to get bent out of shape over Patrick Beverly. I think this game, I feel like it really came down to like four really critical minutes at the end of the second quarter and the end of the third quarter. At the end of the second quarter, the Clippers had a chance to go into halftime up like somewhere between like the 8 to 12 range. They were up between like 8 and 10 consistently they, right they there. They were up like and 13. The, yeah, and, and the Nuggets fell came back in the second quarter and they yep. end up going into halftime. The Clippers only up two. And then the end of the third quarter, Jeff Van Gundy pointed it out and said, you know, Jamal Murray was getting a a full two minute rest at the end of the third quarter. Then when he goes out, nuggets were up eight. When the quarter ends, the nuggets are still up eight. That's massive. That's a massive two minutes. Cause we see so many times leads can get eviscerated in the last two minutes of a quarter. It's so, it's so strange. Like once you notice it, the end of quarters are so important. And to me, like, those, like, like me in particular gave the Clippers too much credit for having all this defensive and offensive firepower. And then they would just be the flip the switch team. Like we hear that term all the time and they were doing it. It was working until it wasn't like they would just mentally, like they would play, you hear the terms like play up and like up to your competition, down to your competition. They would do that during games, like where they would let their foot off of the gas in game five, the Clippers are up. 17 i think is their max and then the third quarter like that series should have ended in game five but paul Millsap goes off for 14 points in the third quarter and gets the nuggets back in the game almost single-handedly how does that happen how do you how do you take plays off that way whole quarters whole halves of games when you're in an elimination situation it's it's very strange to me i don't think i've seen a contender with that type of a, a, a championship contender with that much talent have that strange mindset yeah, I want to piggyback off this. So we talk about how much Kawhi has been that dude since the title last year. And I think only until recently we really gave credit to the Raptors team for how good they were and how much of a supporting cast it were to Kawhi. But like we were talking Kawhi in the same sentences like Durant and LeBron. I mean, I don't think either of them get ousted well, up 3-1. And Durant has been ousted up 3-1. And a 17. Yeah, but to the Warriors, 
Like, I don't know. Not are the, the Nuggets. nuggets yeah, but yeah. I mean, maybe they are. I don't think they are. And again, <sighs> like we talk about Kawhi, like he's that dude to Pete's point earlier. Like he's, oh, when playoffs come, he's rested. He's ready. He's got the mentality. I mean, up like, until, you know. I think he is that dude. We, and, can, I, we can't shrug shrug off his whole career over one game seven, especially since last year. In the it's second game the seven, situation, the second round five, in game seven, six, he was completely dominant against seven. the Sixers. But I mean, it's just it's just something like definitely has to be mentioned. He definitely has to get the heat. Yes, but I'm not ready to condemn his whole career over it. I'm not. I'm not ready to do that. I, I, I mean, I don't think, think I'm doing that either. Right, but you know but, the, the point. Ahead. The point is splitting hairs. And sorry, Kyle. And I know Chris, you're trying to get in here too. No, no, I was about to. I was about to say, go ahead, Chris. Man, go to work, man. Yeah. So I, I want to jump off Duff's point about the, those four minutes. There's there's four more minutes that really matter too. It's the first four minutes of the fourth. Jokic picked up his fourth foul with like 37 seconds left, 57 seconds left in the third quarter, something like that. He didn't come back in until almost five minutes into the fourth quarter. It was Murray and four bench guys, and the Clippers couldn't make a dent. Like that is condemning. So you say you've never seen a contender do shit like this. These were not contenders. These are motherfucking pretenders. Oh, no, baby. Really there we go. They definitely were. They definitely were. I agree with you, Chris, because you know why? I think we were, you know, every every time, like, at least during the regular season two, you know, I felt like the Clippers were getting a lot of credit. And you're just like, all right, like, I, I, I understand, like, they have the talent to do it. But how many times, like, I, I feel like this isn't the first time that we've seen this, though. Like, you know, that they're losing to certain teams. Like, yo, like, for real? Like, I remember just a few stretches throughout the year where you're just like, yo, like, Yo, they lost to them by that by how much? Mm. I'm like, all right, well, you know what? Yo, it was a fluke. Like, you know, it was just, you know, just a rough night. They're not whatever. healthy. And then you see, right, not healthy. And then you're like, wait, so the Clippers are the team that, that everyone says has the deepest team. They have the most firepower because they have two, you know, two wing guys to get, apparently get their own buckets. They have guys, they have a deep bench. And then we compare them to the Lakers and we're like, well, you know, LeBron doesn't really have too many guards. He does it all pretty much by himself, him and AD. Their bench isn't as deep. The rotation is unsure. You don't know what you're going to get. And now who's in the finals and who's going home? You know what I mean? Like, I think it's just, it just really is sometimes you give too much credit to somebody instead of just being like, yo, well, we'll see when we get to the playoffs. You know, because the playoffs are completely different from the regular season. I think that's, you know, credit to the Nuggets because that's one thing that I definitely had to criticize about them. And we we all have about, you know, them being such a regular season team all the time and not taking that next step. And it looks like they are. So good, you know, good for them and good for Mike Malone because, you know, how many times have we seen teams that, you know, are so close, but they can never take the next step, potentially the freaking Bucks, you know? Right. So, like, you know, credit to them. Yeah, I, it's crazy. I mean, this conversation is still blowing my mind that we're having it right now. And it's now a mixture. I think part of the reason, I just thought about this now, part of the reason why, you know, maybe it starts to defer blame a little bit away from Kawhi, and it's just as much as because he's quiet as it is that there's other big names that are part of this team and organization. It's not just Kawhi, and he's not the one you know, boasting them up. So that's probably why he slides away, but he's still obviously going to get crap for this being a low point in what's been a pretty impressive, uh, you know, whatever, almost two years now or a year and a half, whatever it's been since he got to Toronto. Doc Rivers, big name, who's been in championships. Paul George, a guy who can't get over that hump. 
hasn't had a truly successful playoff story since Indiana, like the early Indiana years too. So that's probably part of that reason. Um, but onto the Nuggets point again and Mike Malone and getting over that hump, this hump for them, I don't know why. Like it feels monumental. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers. Maybe if they get swept 4-0, you know, we don't feel as great about them. But they have now entered a different ilk of the NBA where, you know, the Rockets got to for this short period of time and you see how the window can close like that. Like, it can close so fast. We're thinking about uh, Chris Paul and James Harden on the Rockets together two years ago, pushing the Warriors to the absolute brink. Now is Maury getting fired. D'Antoni's out. Russell Westbrook's a disaster. Chris Paul is way better, but he's still lost. Harden's what? And they're, they're, they're now a mess. The Nuggets are now entering, same with the Celtics, they're entering this prime where they're getting over this hump and now you're in a different ball game. You are now in the, the realm of championship or goddamn bust. And LeBron's lived there for 14 years already and it's not easy. And maybe Kawhi Leonard, to Frank's point, you know, we're putting him with LeBron. He's He did it last year. Maybe there's a, a, you know, he's fried. A lot of people make excuses for James Harden. Oh, he's so tired because he did so much. You can't say that about Kawhi because, you know, he took a bunch of games off and he's managing his injuries all the time and whatnot. But now is Kawhi and the Clippers, how different is that team going to look come next year? What's going to happen? Is, is Paul George still there? Is Doc Rivers still the coach? Uh, how much of this falls on Kawhi? Does he want all of a sudden out, or does he want Paul George traded? All these things now start to happen, and the Nuggets are going in the opposite direction where, oh, snap, we might have another all-star in Michael Porter Jr. We can be doing this for two years, but we better make sure we make him count. I think the Clippers next year are going to look different. I think they need to get rid of some of the guys who need additional supervision. What I mean by that is the Marcus Morris's, the Patrick Beverly's, the Reggie Jackson's, the maybe, you know, maybe not Lou Williams because he's, he's, he's more valuable than those guys on a consistent basis. But if you look at the Raptors last season, you know, Kyle Lowry, consummate professional, Fred Van Vliet, you know, was a professional dude. He's like, very solid replacement level guard. And then all of a sudden they get lucky, kind of explodes. Same thing with Pascal Siakam just works hard. All of a sudden gets lucky, explodes. Serge Ibaka, Marcus Saul, those guys, professionals day in, day out. And you need guys who can control themselves, motivate themselves and police themselves when Kawhi Leonard's not going to be the guy doing it for you. Pete, you mentioned before he's quiet. And that's probably why some of the attention slips away from him. But at the same time, that's that's where some of the blame should come from, too. Jeff Van Gundy mentioned the team doesn't get any energy from him. There's no energy from Kawhi. He might be their best player on both ends of the floor, but there's no energy coming from him like there is from LeBron or Jimmy Butler, or Marcus Smart, you know, Draymond Green on the Warriors, guys like that. They're really kind of the engine, the heart and soul of the team that make them go and can show by example, you know, this is this is how we play. This is the energy we play with. And I think they need to get guys who can kind of motivate themselves in that way. If it's not going to be from Kawhi. Or a coach who can motivate them. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, Doc, Doc tends to be very laid back. That's also true. How do you um, absolve but, Doc of this? Uh, second half, the last three games. I, I, I feel can't. like Doc, there was nothing, there was nothing about these playoffs that was a surprise to me from Doc Rivers. Right now, I've said this for years. You He's, actually have, and then you were unvindicated. Now you're revindicated, Duff. I'm you, revindicated. You've been anti-doc in the past, this where is, you were like, "What does he do other than 
control people. Like he does a good job managing egos, if you want to say that or whatever, making people like him and, you know, pull in a direct, in a direction. Um, but what has he done from a coaching standpoint with the Clippers to ever help them get away away from this second or second yeah. round bust situation? So I, I think you're, you're probably, you're probably unvindicated. If I can be correct here, you're probably unvindicated when they went, you know, six games with the Warriors and now you're revindicated. Is that correct? When they went six games with like, you know, uh, Lou Will, Montrezl Harrell, um, obviously not Kawhi and not. Oh, last year. Uh, You're talking about last year. Oh, you talking about last year. Right, right, right. Yes. Before Kawhi about? and PG. Yeah. When people they had were, the yes. first round exit. People were saying that he did a masterful job with that AC though, right? Yes, so I get that, Kyle. he had like no one. Yeah, he had like no was, one on his yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, sure. And he, he, I was like, unvindicated battled. when he had the best eight seed of all time. But, uh, no, <laughs> no, right. we believe Warriors. Well, the Blazers. Second best. Yeah. Second best. The, the, the Blazers now, this year, best eight seed of all time, right? The Blazers, no? Third. Possibly. They yeah. only went or, to five or, games. Or, hey, hey, that Warriors team that, that beat the uh, – the Oh, yeah. Mavs. Steven Jackson. That's why they're the first. We believe Warriors. They're yep. number one, 18. Uh, the, the o- no, the OG was the Nuggets. Dikembe Mutombo on the floor holding that ball against the Sonics. Wait, what oh, What about sick. the Knicks in the in the championship out of the eighth seed? How about that? That was a lockout yep. year. It hey, count. this is a bubble year. Oh, come on, <laughs> bubble year. It doesn't count. Wait, I wrote something down. That I want to say. Let us have something, Duff. <laughs> I wrote something down. Never. <laughs> before, before we get too far off this, I, I've said this before about the Raptors last year. Uh, all the dudes on that team, even Kyle Lowry, who is obviously an individual, you know, star of his own right, but Kyle Lowry, Van Vliet, Adenobi, Siakam, Serge Ibaka, Marcus All, the professionalism, the calmness, the co- the quiet confidence, they followed Kawhi with that, right? It was ra- the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard or Kawhi's Raptors, you want to call him that. They followed his lead. They were calm. They didn't get too high, too low. They didn't get too cocky with a big win or too down with a, a bad loss. This year, what are Kawhi's Clippers? Kawhi's Clippers are non-existent. They're a team that is led by the energies of Harold, Lou Williams, uh, Beverly, Marcus Morris. Those guys became the overarching identity from uh, an outspoken and energy standpoint. And Kawhi's calmness, quietness got pushed to the back. Uh, That's something I literally just thought of, but that team last year, the Raptors, I remember them winning huge games, walking off the court like, doesn't matter, we got more to do. Business, business, business. This year, it's way more antics. The whole team, you know, it seems like they're pulling in different directions. Kawhi's quiet, complaining here and there. And all these other dudes are, yeah, exactly. They're erratic. They're screaming. They're flopping. They're getting in fights. That's not Kawhi's identity. And this Clippers team, through those two parts working against each other, didn't have an identity we just learned. The Clippers' identity, if it was, like, through Kawhi, I know he doesn't do it personally, but they should just wear, like, classic business attire. (laughs) Baggy suits? Yeah, it's just a job. (laughs) It's just a big, it's just a big closet of Tim Duncan clothes. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Just no zero swag. The old they school Tim Duncan. Up, now. Come to work and don't talk to me. Not, like, <laughs> yo, not that new school dreaded Tim Duncan with the little band. You seen yeah, that? Not the new, that new swag. I'm talking like I'm talking old school like MVP trophy the, with the big ass baggy jeans. jeans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro. Just he's loose got, linen like, shit. Yeah, he's got like a size fifty length on his jeans, boot cut. You know what I mean? Like, he's showing he got an MVP in Jinko jeans, bro. Oh my yeah, god! Dude, like, get out boot of here, cut. man. The boot like, cut jeans, bro. Why were those ever cool? You just you might as well not wear shoes. They just cover them up. 
Right. That's just crazy. Bottom of your pants, dirty as hell. Yo, Kyle, you know here, I mean? here's a callback that <laughs> is uh, too inside the podcast. Never heard about it, but the Luther, Van, like Little Luther Vandross's uh, suits on the album covers. That baggy. Yo, <laughs> baggy as hell. You know what I mean? Uh, Little Luther, all his stuff don't fit. Got all that money, can't get a wardrobe. You know what I mean? Like, come on, bro. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I don't know what else we have to say about this Nuggets uh, Clipper series. We kind of spoke in our piece. Is there any other things that need to be said about those two teams before we just kind of take a stab at what the hell the Nuggets versus Lakers series might look like? Hey, one thing I do want to say is that Dame has been on social media and he said, I guess I should extend this Cancun invite since I haven't made my arrangements yet. And he tagged Pat Bev. So just oh, got him. And he tagged Pat Bev and him and CJ McCollum been going off like, damn, I hope they got room on the flight. Like they just going like tweet after tweet. Like, oh, it's it's wow. bold. It's so good. Bold. So good. <laughs> good for Dame, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh. You know he's been sitting on that like all series. That like, has yo, been sitting in the drafts I for hope weeks. They lose. I hope weeks. they lose. It's been <laughs> yo, Chris, you got to let us know how you feeling about the Nuggets next round, bro. They're going down 3-1 and finishing it up. <laughs> <laughs> They're, staying, the Lakers, They're staying strong. The Lakers, Stay on brand. Just lose again on purpose. Give them two wins it's right like, away. Bro, it's like Chris Maddox when he used to go down 2-0 in the count oh, Greg, and just purposely Greg. throw a changeup so the guy would ground out to the shortstop or whatever. Bro, that's big so, brain, Frank. That's big brain. Don't let him even get to 3-1. Just let him win two off the jump. I like that. Let him get the comeback on them. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> seriously, though, with the, with the Nuggets, with the Lakers, we talked a little bit about the matchup situations. I mean – but let's be honest. Oh, and I didn't even give us the credit yet. We didn't get to the heat yet. We, we, four of us, the four of us oh, on this pod, Duffy, Kyle, oh, and, Andrew, and myself. And shout out Andrew. He really wanted to pick them, but just kind of oh, had to, yeah, he was, yeah. he was the person on the panel who had to fall on the sword. There. Right. He had to be the quote sane one to pick the Milwaukee Bucks, right? We all picked the heat and that was apparently a great call by us. Shout out to us. Right. But is there a serious, serious possibility? Give me a, a percent, like a 80, 20, whatever you want to do. I don't give a hell. Is there a serious chance that we're watching the Nuggets in the finals in a couple of weeks? Someone give me something here. Mm, percentage? Uh, Just give me anything. I don't know. Just whatever you want. I'll say I'll say if we're going percentage, I'll give it 35%. Oh, that's higher than I thought. That's about right for me. That's about right. I'll give it 35%. Are there odds there yet a, on the series? There's definitely a chance. There's a chance. It's Chris, not zero. Chris, what do you what do you seriously though? I know you said they're going down three one. What do you, what do you expect out of your boy Jamal Murray Jokic against LeBron? Like, do it, we think this is going to be like similar to what happened with the Blazers in the first round though? Because the more I think about it, the more those teams seem a little similar to me. I mean, There's, I personally... it's just like the Nuggets. The Nuggets are like twenty percent better than the Blazers, I guess, but they're kind of they're structured similarly. You know what it is? They don't have – they don't – what I would say that separates those two because you're right, matchup-wise, and obviously they have guards that, you know, well, Murray, that, you know, is going to be a problem for the Lakers. I think MPJ and uh, Gary Harris, you know, separate them a little bit just because they have another guy that comes off the bench that can actually score and then a guard, a guy that can guard. Reason. Correct. Yeah. So I think that's the only thing that, that separates it. And I think that's why they have more of a shot than the Blazers do or did. I'm going to go low. I mean, like okay. 10%. I think that's 10 times Lakers win this year. 
I'm curious. The series line isn't out yet. I mean, it's one o'clock in the morning after this game just ha- ended. It's what is it? Does that Vegas make it, sleeping, bro? Does that make it Wednesday morning right now? Yeah, it's, it's Wednesday morning. It's Wednesday morning. Yes. I just did a quick Twitter search for Nuggets Lakers series line. I don't know how reliable it is, but there's a couple sources that say it's it's Lakers minus five hundred, Nuggets plus four hundred. All right. Hey, you know what? That's that's not that's not crazy. I mean, it's a little bit. Bigger than your average Western Conference final, I would imagine. That's too much for a Western Conference final, yeah. But that's also early. I don't know. I mean, what's Vegas thinking that the public's going to jump on the Lakers early, or they're going to? I think they're going to hype up the Nuggets. I don't know. I don't really know. I don't, guess what the hell we'll see. I don't. I don't think Nuggets have a great chance. I'm putting it at like twelve percent, eight percent. But and you know what? How do you, and quit you know them right now? thing? I think if I think if the Lakers and the Nuggets played on. I guess you can consider the game was Tuesday. The next game, I guess I, w- I was thinking, you know, like how the past, the previous uh, rounds have gone. Thursday would be the next game. I thought it was, for some reason I was like, oh, Thursday would be the next game. I would put money on the Nuggets just because the Lakers have been sitting around and they did the same thing the last series. You know, they lost the first game. Oh, they're, they're going to lose. And then mm. they go and kick everybody's ass. You know I mean? Oh, so that's just, a shout out. Uh, speaking of last series for Lakers, shout out Bill Simmons and Zach Lowe for saying the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life that oh, that yes. series was a coin flip series that the Rockets. Duff, you had called like it. A 50% you called it right chance. away. As soon as they said right that, so I was like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard." So, yes. yeah, you know what? Lakers out. probably gonna win this series. It's, <laughs> it's just like I don't know. I was just thinking about it for a second. I was like, "Man, is are like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic really gonna be the ones to bring down LeBron James?" I didn't. I didn't think they were going to be the guys to bring down Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers. So me neither. Let's me just neither, be. Let's that, just be honest and say there's totally a chance, but it's not good. Yeah, it's messed it's up. Good. But like at the same time, it's like yo, it's LeBron, yo. It's LeBron. I know. I feel like the Clippers. I, I thought that's the what that's what brings me back to earth. Aspect. Yeah, yeah, that's what brings me back down to earth because I'm like, yo, damn, yo, the nugget, Nuggets are rolling. Like, dude, they they got a shot, and then I'm like, mm, I don't know. LeBron? Yes, LeBron. Yeah. Yes, LeBron. I just we'll feel like so, the only way it happens is if they shoot him out of the gym. Agreed. Yeah. Which is harder to do Which nowadays because they have to. Jamal LeBron and Jokic Jamal, though, need possible. to they need to win it's two games each. Sure. Like they need two games each to win, is how I feel about it. Like Jokic gotta drop thirty five plus twice. Murray's gotta drop thirty five plus twice. That's their like they need spectacular performances out of those guys in four different games to win. And you know who I'm and you know who I'm most concerned about with the Lakers at least is for the Lakers is just that if Danny Green and KCP and Caruso show up. Those are the three guys yeah, that I'm most concerned over. with. Everybody else, I'm like, yo, they're they'll probably be good to go. And probably Kuzma. I'll throw Kuzma in that too. Yeah, we've All seen right, Danny Green at the defensive end. We've seen Danny Green get yeah, right. stupid hot me, from three in the in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, yo, give me if two of those guys, two of those four can show up and play and you know hit outside shots. I think the Lakers will win this handily. But like we saw the last series, that doesn't happen every night. Like all four of them could go cold at the same time. I... Go ahead, so someone, someone said it before. It's, it's about the, the third person by committee for the Lakers. It's yeah. the same thing for the Nuggets. Like the, the top two guys are, are going to show up. Jokic, Murray, LeBron, AD, they're going to show up. Who's the next guy up on each team? Who's the next guy up in each game mm-hmm. that's going to do it? It's going to be a different guy each game. Like it's not always going to be a Jeremy Grant game. But it could right. be a Porter game. It could be a Gary Harris game. It could be a fucking bald ass Caruso game. <laughs> but, but your I hair just, looks great, I, by the way. Let me tell you that. Thanks. Same with your beard. Thank you. 
Thanks. I, just, I, I got a cut this weekend. Thanks. Um, <laughs> shout out to Spesh in Hoboken. Um, I, uh, I feel my Nuggets are out of gas, though. They've been playing every other. So there's no travel, right? But they've been playing every other day playoff games for a month. Like the Lakers have had days off. They've had time in between series. They've been literally playing every other fucking day, do or die for a month, including these six elimination games. Like eventually Cinderella's going to fucking turn to a pumpkin. And as much as this pumpkin season, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I, yo, yo, I was about to say, bro, <laughs> pumpkin season. I was about to say, bro, a, a Cinderella, call, a Cinderella story. A, a I see you, Chris. <laughs> yo, Chris, a Cinderella story never made it this deep in the pumpkin season, though. Think about it. That's a good point. Think about That's it. I like it. I like it. Think about it. Oh, my gosh. That's incredible right there. All right. We got another series to get to, though, before it becomes, you know, we have to work, wake up for work tomorrow. Um, the Heat and the Celtics. This is Subway Sports Talk, by the way. Chris Mangan, John Lucas Duffy, Kyle Anderson, Frank Villani. I'm Pete Kennedy. You know what it is. We're having fun. We're talking hoops. What else could we be doing at this time of night? Um, Heat, Celtics. Heater up 1-0. Crazy game. Basically, what it comes down to from an overarching standpoint is, and Kyle said it wonderfully in our group chat, you can't let a team like the Heat with that mentality hang around because that's not good for business. So, Kyle, talk yeah. about the Heat. Talk about buckets, aka Jimmy. I got you, man. Uh, how come? How come you can't let them hang around? They're, they're too bad. They're too bad. Dude. And I mean, bad is like bad, bad man. Yeah, like bad, bad. Yeah, like that's a team. You ever you ever play a team in basketball? Like in some of you guys have played, you know, either at the park or AU basketball, or just travel basketball in general. And you start to play a team, and you're like, "Yo, we should be putting this team away." And they hit one three, and they. Slowly but surely, you start hearing the AU, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh shit, oh shit, they're, they're, you woke up the dog now. You know, you let a team hang around, you give them more confidence. You know, they're like, yo, like we're we're still down five. You know, in the fourth, we were just getting our ass kicked in the first half. You know, a team with, you know, obviously, like we said, we always talk about Jimmy Butler, that mentality, that, you know, heat organization mentality that always is just like, yo, we're going to outwork everybody and we're going to be tougher than you mentally and physically. And that showed up again today. You know, like we said, Butler's never going to show up on the stat sheet with crazy stats, you know, shooting percentage wise or anything like that, but he's going to hit big shots and he's going to close. You know, he hits that big three on Kemba Walker in the corner. And then he hits the big and one on Jason Tatum. So it's like, all right, dude, like, you know, it's almost pretty much just give the ball to Jimmy and get out of the way. And then, you know what, we're going to come down and get stops because then Bam's going to step up and he's getting that huge, huge block Mm. at the rim. Okay. And I just, you know, having guys, we, we talked about it for the last series with the heat, you know, matching up with the bucks, like, yo, dude, if Duncan Robinson hero and, um, Drogic can hit threes and obviously Jimmy does what he does and Bam does what he does. That's tough, man. Defensively, that's tough because you can literally go inside out. And, you know, they, like I said, let them hang around. Hero hit some big shots and Jimmy hits those big shots at the end. And uh, they were able to pull it out. You know, I think the Celtics kind of messed up not closing there. You know, that was, that was a game they easily should have won. And I think that, you know, Kemba really needs to get going earlier. You know, obviously he hit some kind of bigger shots towards the end, but it wasn't too little too late, but it was just like, dude, like where was this all game? The game would have been over. 
you know, it was too close, uh, you know, for comfort for the Celtics, and obviously they pay for it. I, I don't know what the Celtics do with Kemba. I don't know what they do because it seems like it, it's very strange when they like after watching the Raptors and now with the Heat, it's as if the opposition wants him to get the ball in his hands and then they'll run a double at him or give him the worst possible matchup or run him off the three point line, you know, and and they know he's going to the rim, so just force him to shoot mid range, whatever. It's very strange that they to me that they focus all their defensive attention on Kemba Walker. Meanwhile, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are killing it. And it dawned on me, like, he's smaller than those guys. He's, you're like actually able to impose your will on him defensively because of his physical limitations. And that's probably where it comes from. Like Chris Bosch said years ago in an interview, it was like, you know, when we were playing against the Thunder in the finals, we knew Westbrook and Katie were going to go nuts. And we just had to stop James Harden. Like that was our, that we knew we were going to win if we stopped James Harden. It's strange, you know, to think about it, you got to stop the third option. But if you just accept that and then you need other guys to step up around like Marcus Smart or whoever, which he did, but it it, tows, it's, it throws the offense totally out of sync, especially in the second half when the ball is constantly in Kemba Walker's hand and you just feel completely unsure and uncomfortable every time he's out there trying to orchestrate the offense. Right. The Heat are just nails it's a common baseball term i'm sure many people know what it means but lenny dykstra yeah just (laughs) tough in your face like double fingers up in your face like i don't give a fuck um i can't wait to watch them in the finals oh Oh, it's coming out hot right off you're 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 Mm. just you're confident that they're gonna outgrit Mm. the celtics and just go off and do this like that Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch tonight. I was at the dinner, but I knew. I just knew they were going to win. I don't know. Not surprised yo, at all. Grandma. Wasn't it your grandma's out. birthday, yo? Shout out. Nah, grandma's moving back to Florida, though. Oh. So uh, shout out, travels, grandma. Safe travels, though. Safe travels. Yeah, Get she's doing show. good. She's doing good. Hell yeah. So, Get that tan right. You know. <laughs> Got a good meal out of it. Can't complain. So I'm a Kemba guy, right? I'm a Big East guy. Um, I'd ride a die for Kemba. Did you go to UConn? No, I went to NYU. Uh, we have no basketball. <laughs> got thrown out after the point shaving scandal in like the early 1900s. But that's, that's <laughs> big, the big time point shaving at NYU yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, City College in New York. You're damn right. When was the last time <laughs> Kemba hit more than one three in a game? Oh, God. I feel like you're about to tell me some crazy stuff. Uh, before the bubble. Nah, it's not No, it's, uh, but it's, it's been two weeks. <laughs> game three, Toronto. Wow. September third. So terrible. So that's four, five, six, seven, four games, five games, yep. five games, well, not over one three. One for six, 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 seven, and nine. Oh, he's shooting twenty six and a half percent from three total playoffs. Damn, you know what? That's crazy. That's Russell Westbrook territory. It's not great, Bob. Duffy's face Jeez. just went. Yo, oh my gosh, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, you know what, Yo. Chris? That's a great stat. And we were talking a lot of Kemba Walker in the group chat before we started recording here. And there was arguments probably between Andrew Duffy, who's not on right now, and myself versus Kyle, where Kyle's, you know, he's clutch. He's got the clutch gene. And we need to we need to talk about it here and have a discussion about it. Andrew Duffy and I were saying, you know what? This one shot he hit in UConn has 
you know, doctrinated him as clutch for the rest of his career. And not to say he hasn't hit big shots, not to say say he hasn't been a great pet player carrying a bad franchise in Charlotte, but he's never done this before. And whether you want to put the blame on him for that or not, there's a reason his Charlotte teams hit a ceiling, and it wasn't all him, obviously, but he couldn't bring them higher than what he did. And now is he going to be what possibly holds the Celtics back from a finals appearance? I don't know. But if the defense is keying in on Kemba, then Tatum and Brown just have to win games themselves. So I, I don't know where we lie here with Kemba's clutch factor. Is it overrated? Is it not? Kyle, I'll let you defend your point first because we were arguing about it earlier. But it's kind of a weird thing to me with the size and all that stuff we talked about with Duff before. I don't know. What, what do you think right now, Kyle? I think before this, uh, before this point, or before you know this point in the playoffs, or just in the season in general, all right, we haven't had this conversation mm. about Kawhi Leonard. Let me Kawhi Leonard. I'm sorry about Kemba Walker. And I think um, what's happening is maybe he's just like in a slump. Honestly, that's what I really feel like. Maybe mm. he's in a slump, and he's at in a slump at the wrong time, and. You know, just thinking about in the regular season, he was the one that had the ball at the end, took some big shots. Um, you know, obviously it's a different environment. But what I also was mentioning before was that, you know, this is just a, you know, he's still getting adjusted to being the third guy on the team. And I think it's just because you go from taking 25 shots, you know, maybe even 30 shots with the Hornets, to now you are limited to 15 shots. And, hey, guess what? You got to get everybody else involved too, because Tatum and Jalen Brown uh, can fill it up. So now it's not only yo, I got to get my shot. You know, only got to worry about getting my shot. Really, I can run pick and roll all day. Now it's I got to run pick and roll, get these guys involved, and I got to find my shot. But also, don't take too many shots. So that's the only thing that I can, you know, I guess defend him on. Now I'm not saying he's freaking, you know, Michael Jordan, and he's you know making all these crazy clutch shots, and you know. He, Oh, he's, you know, cardiac Kemba from the Big East, you know, almost 10 years ago. But what I'm really saying is just that he has hit big shots before. Hit one tonight, actually. Before be this. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he hit a couple of big shots tonight. But it's just like, you know, up until this point, this was not an argument that was like consistently had. And maybe it's just like, you know, just kind of a, a recent bias right now. But. You know, I totally understand where you guys are coming from because he's playing like complete shit. So there's, you know, it's, there, I have no argument for that. But I just have an argument for, hey, you know what? He's been playing pretty well up until this point, and right now he sucks. So, you know, hopefully it's not, yo, dude, this is where the tide is going to turn. They're going to have to get somebody else in there. Or it's just like, you know, hey, man, he's just playing really bad right now. One shot, he hit one mid-range step-back shot that was like the one he hit in the Big East tournament against Pitt. Yes. Doing that once a game down the stretch, unless it's like actually the game winning shot at the end of the absolute end of regulation, it it really doesn't matter to me in terms of the clutch factor because I've saw the other 12 possessions where he had absolutely no idea what to do with the ball. And, you know, Andrew pointed this out and he was absolutely right. I don't, in the fourth quarter, Jalen Brown got the ball twice on the offensive end or three three times, I'm sorry, that I noticed. Once was at the end of the shot clock in the middle of the lane where he put up a shot, he made it, uh, that came from Kemba. 
one was on an offensive rebound and one was on, I think that same possession where he got the offensive rebound, where he got in the left corner, passed it out to the wing. They passed it back to him in the left corner. And then, you know, he drove and passed it off to someone else. They don't get him involved in, in, they don't run anything for him specifically at the end of games, which is very strange to me. Like, even if it was coming coming off of a weak side curl where he flashes to the foul line, he gets the ball in while he's in motion when he's most dangerous and he's able like he absolutely can't shoot, but when he's attacking the rim, that is certainly when he's most dangerous. And I think at the end of NBA games, for whatever reason, and I've been wondering this forever, and so is my brother, because he, when he used to coach, this used to drive him crazy. It's just as NBA games go on, teams run less and less stuff. They just run less offense. It just right. becomes so much ISO ball. high pick and roll, ISO, matchup, basketball, post up. It's very strange how hey, down the stretch when offenses are falling apart, they wouldn't try to run something to just get an easy bucket. Remember a couple of days ago when I was like bugging out about that when, at the end of the game with the Celtics? I was like, yo, dude, why are we not, why are they not running anything else? And Kemba's the only one with the ball at the end of the yes, game. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, what like all right, he he's had the he's had this opportunity three times already. Like, give it, you know, let's run a set for somebody else. But here's also, the other problem. Any every time they try to post up Tatum or or get it to him in that situation, I haven't seen him score on a post up in I don't even know how long. Like how many post ups he's had. Turnaround jump shots, terrible. Every time he tries to post up on the right right like mid post he always 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 either turn around jumper over his right shoulder or spin or going the same direction you know spinning towards the middle of the lane just driving mm-hmm. into help i i don't it's it's terrible like at the end of games they need some brad stevens just call like draw some shit up for these guys right. they need help I'm glad, and also I'm glad you said something about Jalen Brown because I was going to shout out Andrew because he did mention that in the uh, in the group chat. That's his guy. That's Andrew's guy. Yeah, that's his boy. Yeah. I thought you were about to. Yeah, I thought you were going to go too. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I'm just. I'm. It's weird for me living in a world where uh, Marcus Smart goes six of thirteen from three, and Campbell Walker just vanishes. But he he is Campbell Walker right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they switch places. Everybody on the Celtics shot the ball with the confidence that Marcus Smart shoots the ball with. They would score 200 points a game. I wish I had his confidence just in life, man. I really did. I wish I had him on any team I rooted for in any sport. I don't care if Marcus Smart never played, like, he never swung a baseball bat. I'm like, yeah, we can find a spot for him. That dude is, like, the most unbelievable competitor. But before we actually go on Marcus Smart for a second, because I think we need to go there, Um, Jason Tatum, we need to touch that real quick. Yes. Uh, Chris actually probably remembers more specifically than anybody else when I had perhaps one of the worst takes in my sport fan history when I was very much so not that high on Jason Tatum in the draft. Whatever. We're not going to go there right now. But Oh, you went there with me and Jamal Murray, though. Just <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, saying, I didn't go there. Did I, did I go there? I didn't even bring up the bet yet, Duff, all right? Come on. Come on. Clippers couldn't, finish that segment, bro. couldn't hang with the up? Nuggets. Anyways. Uh, Jason Tatum. Segment segments over, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I had a button to mute. I probably could figure it out in Zoom. I could mute you guys. I'll go Tony Reale style. Um, you definitely can mute from the uh, from the host. Yeah. Oh, I might figure that out. Uh, anyways, Minus Jason one. Tatum. We've we've talked about this guy at nauseum. I think last year we were, we were like real hard on him because we didn't see the progression we wanted. The shot selection got worse. It got lazier. It got you know settling for mid range too much. Not attacking. Not shooting threes. I saw a number today that. 
I don't remember exactly the specifics, but this was the general gist of it. Uh, before this year, maybe it was just specifically last year, he was on 62 uh, contested three-pointers shooting like 28% or something like that. And this year, it was like an incredible amount more. Oh, unassisted. It was 62 unassisted. unassisted. Yeah. Yes, and then in this year he's up to like almost forty percent on unassisted threes, and he's over knocking 40%. them down. It was over. Was it forty two percent? Maybe I think it was. Anyway, it was like forty or forty one and change. The point of the stat was that he is now shooting way more unassisted threes and hitting them at a incredibly higher clip. Where did that confidence and aggression go? Even with when he does settle for threes, I saw the one at the end of the quarter where he just kind of you know waited at the the left wing took a couple dribbles, and took a very uninspired three, missed it. We're like, why are you not attacking? Like he, It seems like he's falling back into, you know, in this game specifically, not trying to go at him for the past, like, series or whatever, but in this game specifically, he fell back into that, oh, I'm, I'm real comfortable in this post doing these fadeaways. I can get these shots off. I can get these shots off. But they're not good shots, and they're not him being uh, the aggressor he should be. Now, of course, on the last play, he was that aggressor and attacked the hell out of the rim. I can't believe... I don't think I've ever seen anyone go for a dunk like that on a walk-off shot. Never. Uh, and he got blocked by Bam. Amazing play. I've never seen anyone block My a dunk God, like that. Like Bam. a full cocked back, one hand. Stupid going to be an absolute slam dunk. Unreal. I've never seen any... Especially with one hand. Didn't he block that with one hand? He just caught he it in his left hand. It was it was crazy. That, I can't believe he didn't rip his shoulder or break his hand on the rim or some crap like that. Insane. Or but, his wrist. I've always thought about you're talking that. about a man. Wrist. That's a good point. That was that's a grown. That man. was grown about, man strength, bro. About Tatum, like we we said on this pod, he has a chance to become the best player in the East if he's not already the best player in the East right now. Like, what needs to be done? Is it specifically attacking? Is it getting people involved? What can he do to not just lift himself to a, a top-tier NBA player, but also make sure the Celtics secure the series? It's very – it's clear at such a young age, it's clear to me he just – which skills he needs to continue to improve on. His handle is too loose. At the end of the game, Jimmy Butler was easily poking away at the ball. His handle is still too loose. He's got to tighten that up. And his post game, like he must drill those shots in practice. Otherwise he wouldn't be taking them so frequently, but he is not doing it. It's not game ready still. And I, I absolutely have confidence that he will be a good low to mid post high post attacker in, in those late game down the stretch situation where he needs to like get to a spot, get his own shot. I am confident that he has like the pure shooting ability to pull those shots off. He's just not there yet. He's just still not there yet. He's only, he's still 19. He's not there yet. <laughs> I still, I, for me, I think it's, I, I think it's strength. You know, I think Jimmy Butler is guarding him right now and he's kind of getting him off that post and that, you know, just think about, you know, where you're trying to post up, right. You're starting on the block. Okay. And if you're bigger than the other guy, you know, obviously you can either seal or, you know, stay on that post. But there's a guy that's stronger than you. You go from catching the ball at the block to now catching it at the mid-elbow to, you know, possibly the wing because you're getting pushed out. So I think that, you know, his starting point, now he's settling for that fadeaway because he can't go by Butler, you know, just because he's too, you know, too strong, too much stronger than him. So I think that's one thing he's definitely got to work on. Obviously, that's for the offseason. So he's got to find some kind of adjustment to uh to make or just hit those shots that he's been taking. Yeah, and the point on Tatum is not overall. It's very specific because he's that tier. 
He had 30 points tonight. Right. You know, he, he's that right. tier. He's that dude. That's why it's like we're nit. You have to nitpick guys like that. You know, like I said about Embiid, you know, Charles Barkley and, and Shaq aren't going at Vucevic. They're going at Embiid. Tatum had 30 points tonight. He had a good game. But there's always more because he's that damn good. That last shot in regulation was just lazy. That was a lazy possession. That was just tired, stupid, lazy shot. He's like, I'm just going to shoot a 30-footer. Maybe it'll go in and be sick. Like, guys do that. I'm not picking on him specifically. And it was guys, tied, so he had the, the pressure off him a little bit. Right, yeah. Like, I, I guess I am picking on him specifically because he was the one who shot it in this particular instance. But guys do that all the time, and it drives me absolutely insane every single time. You don't challenge the defense at all. The game started, and I thought Jason Tatum was going to shoot the heat out of the gym. In the first nine minutes, eight minutes, he was smoking hot. And I thought the announcer's heads were going to explode. And then I guess it's tapered off from there. Like, I mean, I, I'm looking at his three, layup, step back. Uh, I mean, he's he probably had ten points in the first eight minutes. Like, he, he started off like a house on fire, and it just it's, it's got to stay at that level. Like, it's... I know it's the playoffs and everyone's tired. I know it's a NBA games are so long though. It's like an eternity. They they, mm-hmm. they are, but like it's just that's the game you got to finish with forty, not thirty. Like you get that. Mm. That's why. Like, and that's, that's why. Fair. And that's why the great ones are great. Yeah, you know every the, the time limit has never changed. You know what? That's why the great ones are great. They hit the big shots at the end of the game, and that's why we talk about them still to this day. Because you know they just were like, you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gut this one. You know, I'm I'm gonna get this shot up somehow, and I'm gonna I'm gonna fucking make it, and we're gonna win. So you know, obviously he's still very young, but eventually he's only 19. You know, I I yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I do feel like one day he will be uh, you know, on that level where he's just gonna be like, you know what, no, just get out of the way. You know, I'm 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 gonna knock this down. We'll you know we'll go to game two. So. Yeah, and I don't want to hear people giving up on Jason Tatum oh, yet because no. he's been in the league no. X amount of years. No, oh, but I'm no. just saying, like, I'm just saying, if if Luke for Kennard. whatever reason he has a lackluster rest of the series, like people on the radio and talking heads pundits, they'll they'll get that way the same way we were kind of getting that way about Jamal Murray. But you got to remember how young these guys are, and even if they don't, you know, reach their full potential until they're 26 or 27 that still gives them a nice like five to seven year window where they can really crush it uh, in terms of, you know, late, late season playoff success. So that's just the one thing I want to remind people of is we're not still not condemning these players, especially ones that are as young as Jason Tatum. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, I think that's a good place to end here. Right. So let's, let's just talk about, I just wanted to tell a funny story real quick about the heat. So, Oh, for sure. As as that game was going down the stretch, so I, I told you guys, I'm, I'm at my girlfriend's house, so I was watching with her, and at the end of the Heat-Celtics game, I'm going nuts, right? Like, Tyler Hero hits the shot, hits the shot at the top of the key. You know, Jimmy Butler, he's got one from the corner. He hits the and one, uh, you know, the, on Tatum. You know, the band block is in the mix. I forget the exact order. Um, but I was going just nuts, and especially when Jimmy Butler was hitting those shots. And she was like, oh, that's the guy who used to – I'm a Sixers fan, so she knows about the Sixers. So I said, oh, she, you know, oh, that's the guy that used to be on the Sixers, right? And I said, yeah, he he's so great at the end of games. And like, she's like, oh, yeah, he looks pretty good. I was like, I was like, no, he doesn't miss. He's like, oh, yeah, he's like that guy. I was like, no, in the last two minutes of NBA basketball games, <laughs> he doesn't miss. Right. And she just kind of looked at me weird, and I was just like, 
I meant what I said. Like he just, <laughs> I just kind of gave her one of those looks. Like that's just a fact. Like he just doesn't. And she looked at me like oh, it was crazy, but it's true. <laughs> it's so true. It like and it, it's so sad during these heat games of texting back and forth. With my buddy Jeff, who is also just a giant Sixers fan, and we're just like so sad. It's just like a pity party between the two of us. Anytime Jimmy Butler plays, <laughs> and it's just this series is just going to be like a quintuple lose, 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 lose. It's just. Jimmy Butler versus, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, all these players that we could have had on the, on the Sixers and didn't draft. (laughs) Just terrible. Unbelievable. Well, that's fantastic. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets is a man and there's not much more else to be said. He is, I, I said this in the group chat, he is by a few metrics, the worst shooter in the NBA. And yet we can all sit here and agree with you, Duff, when you say, doesn't matter because in the last two minutes he has a miss and that's, Hands up. When Jimmy Butler hit that three in the corner, I literally was just like this. It's, it's a buck. It's kind of how I'm, I'm, my hands are up in the air, by the way, because you can't see me right now. I forgot. But like when Jamal Murray hit one of the threes towards the end, it was kind of like the dagger three. I was just like, oh, there we go. Hands in the air that you can't when that shot drops and Jimmy Butler seems to do it in the fourth better than the first, second, and third. It makes you just go tip your cap. How you doing? I How you somehow doing? in the span of like two seconds when Butler shot that three in the corner and the play just seemed so scattered, I was like, in my head, I was like, you'll live with that. And then the ball went in the ball went in the hoop, and I was just like, I'm not surprised at all that that went in. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was, that's Jimmy. Anybody else, you'll live with that. But then you're like, damn, that was Jimmy, though. Mm. That was Buckets. like one Jimmy's of those, like, all oh, right, that's closer in baseball, Buckets. baby. <laughs> yeah, dude. Come on now. He's a beast. So the Jimmy Wade comparisons have been, like, made and, like, and their connections have been made and, like, discussed and beat to death and whatever. But, like, Remember, like, two seasons ago, I mean, Wade is a not good three-point shooter, never was, never never would be. Mm-hmm. But there was, like, two playoffs ago where he was, like, hitting big-time threes at the end of games. Yeah, absolutely. This, yes. That's that's Jimmy here. He shoots two threes a game and makes one or two of them. He's not mm-hmm. taking a bunch. He's not a volume three-point shooter. He's picking the spots, and he's making you fucking pay for it. Mm. Big time. And just bullying everywhere else. That's te- that Heat team, oh, man. Boy. Don't you cannot quit the Heat. The moment every single person in America should have felt like fallen in love with Jimmy Butler again, if you fall fell out of uh, out of love with him earlier, is when Chris Paul went at Duncan Robinson in a game that wasn't even a playoff yes. game yet. Threw the ball of Duncan Robinson, and then Jimmy Butler took it upon himself to attack him. Not even think about going up for a layup and lower his shoulder into Chris Paul, take the foul, and walk away and be like, you don't do that to my guy. Everybody in America should have been like, this is my new favorite basketball player. Like, what's good with that? You want 90s basketball? Jimmy Butler is your guy. They were, though. Even my mom. My mom loves Jimmy Butler. She's like, she catches these glimpses of games. She's like, who is that guy? Why do I know him? I was like, oh, he played at Marquette. And he was like, oh, yeah, I I love him. He just seems so, like, nasty. He seems so mean. I was like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of. All right, well, I, I think, uh, should we even make predictions on this series? What, what are we feeling? Just give me, everyone just say Heat or Celtics. Who's winning it? I don't know. Heat Seven, seven game series. Heat. Heat. I'm going I'm Celtics and seven. Man. Celtics and seven? I'm riding with the Heat. I think we, Jimmy, Jimmy versus Jokic in the finals. I heard it here first. How you doing? Anyways. All right. This is where, this is where we get to the end of the pod. This has been fantastic. Uh, we're not quite done yet, but Chris, thank you for coming on and basking in some of this nuggets glory. Now, one of my favorite parts of the podcast, Subway Sports Talk, it's last words. you whatever you want to say, shout something out, shout somebody out, say something about a different sport, about a show. It doesn't matter. You say whatever the hell you want. And, uh, you know, who wants to go first? I always feel bad putting someone on the spot here. Last words. 
Someone raise their hand. I'll go first. There you okay. go, Duff. Um, Woj, Woj retweeted something from, you know, someone. First name was like Om, O-H-M. I'm not yeah. even going to try and pronounce the last name. Om Yasuk or something like that? Yeah, something like that. Uh, about Kawhi Leonard and his post-game presser. Uh, Kawhi Leonard said repeatedly, Clippers have to get smarter. Quote, that's when it comes to the team chemistry, knowing what we should run to get the ball on spots or just if someone's getting doubled or they're packing the paint, get smarter as a team. Basketball IQ got got to get better. Mm. So I just want to shout out me for already predicting next year. Clippers got to get smarter. I feel got to get rid of the Marcus Morris's and uh, Reggie Jackson's and Patrick Beverly's. So I too feel uh, vindicated there. By the way, yeah. Let's go. Immediate vindication. I felt good after I was 100% wrong. <laughs> Frank, what do you got? I, I usually go like way off the rails. <laughs> See, I don't have anything really. You, you need a second? Kyle, what do you got? <laughs> um, What was I going to say? Uh, You know what? I'm going to shout out actually you guys because obviously this is uh still very – uh, new to the to this pod and everything but this is always something I look forward to and I felt like we uh you know had a couple couple weeks we had like a week off or something like that and you know obviously we were busy getting ready for football and uh you know baseball kicking up and everything but yo man this is always such a great time and I'm always uh always appreciative to get back on and uh kick it with you guys and talk some basketball man this is always a good time Shouts to that, man. Shouts to that. For real. Always so wholesome, making me look bad. All right, I got mine. I got mine. <laughs> this is like... Yeah, Frank's like, all right, perfect the, the time for me to jump in and ruin fan. that. Uh, Yo, dude, Jets and Giants. Oh, I'm going to stomp all over it. Hell yeah. Um, um, Jets and Giants fans, cross the board. Um, Like the far right and far left of Giants and Jets fans, if you get that reference. Yep. Um, the loud minority. People who think the Giants um, are going to be good, people who think the Giants are going to suck, vice versa for the Jets, same same situation. Everybody yeah, who's right now, too, too far on either side. It, right now, that situation is specifically between the two quarterbacks. I don't want to hear shit until either one of them does shit <laughs> because they haven't done shit. So just stop. Across the board, I'm tired of it. NFL fans hey, are worse. Hey Frank, What's up? if you were if you were a team uh, head coach right now, which co- mm-hmm. which quarterback would you want? Neither. I'd take Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> nah, That's crazy. Bro. Nah, <laughs> son. You know the answer. It's Danny Dimes, bro. Sam Downer. He's. I'm sorry, bro. He's he's had his shot, man. I know he's had a bunch With, of coordinators, wait, had a bunch I of head coaches. Thing. I got one thing. The whole thing Giants fans Giants made fan? about Danny Danny Dimes. He has thrown a pick What's in up? the red zone in, in his whole career. Oh, that was terrible. That was terrible. What, what happened terrible. yesterday? Yeah, Frank, oh, aren't terrible. you a Giants fan? I am a Giants yeah, fan. Hey, it was yeah, te- that was terrible. But look, you this know what? what? I'll I'll take, this is what Frank is talking about I'll exactly. Take, it's the infighting with the within the franchises. I'll take <laughs> I'll take the second, you know, I'll take, you know, the the second year terrible throw, you know, at, but you know what? I'll take the 18 plays before that on that 19 play drive. That's all good. We'll, 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 that we can fix that. If, see, if I'm, I'm talking like a coach now, that, you know, that last play, yo, man, that's BS. But you know what? Those, those plays, all those completions on third down, you know, and talking like third and eight, 
third and 10 against probably the top five defense in the league, I'll live with that. We can work off that. Sam Darnold, he didn't show that at all on Sunday. Mm. So there you go. I'll, I'm straight. I'll uh, be good with it. All right, Chris Mangan. Sorry it took so long, but what are your last words? <laughs> I would like to welcome J.R. Smith back to the group chat. <laughs> One twenty-three a.m. tweets. So burn Clippers, motherfucker, burn. That's no idea. The L.A. hate is real. Wait, no way. Child. He they said. Are, yep. He said. No, I said burn, motherfucker, oh burn. He God. just tweeted. He just tweeted. So like. Oh my So God. how about all that chat? How about all that yeah, chat? Right. How about all that right. hype? Put it in the fucking three-yard dumpster out front, son. It's gone. <laughs> Hasn't J.R. Smith been on the team for like three weeks? Hardly. You know, I, I don't need a reason to love J.R. Smith. <laughs> no, I mean, I always love J.R. Smith because he's from New Jersey, but. Shut no, up. son. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. J.R. Smith enters the chat. It's always a good time. Uh, my last words, I, I probably said, should have said it. Let me start that again. My, my last words, I should have said earlier, but it was so ex- much excitement to talk nuggets right off the jump. Chris Mangan, 40 under 40. Can we say that? Is that allowed? Sure is. <laughs> His own podcast, 40 under 40. I don't know if we're going to get ceased and desist over here. <laughs> uh, but wanted to make sure 40 under 40, they talk about movies that get a below 40% Rotten Tomato score, but are still legendary in their own right. And uh, it's a fantastic pod. Check that out, Chris Mangan. Uh, but my other last words, I, I said I was going to mention before, John Lucas Duffy, I believe you owe me a $10 parlay, and I'm letting you know right now uh, that I'm cashing it in this Sunday. So I'm going to put in a funky parlay. For ten bucks, and we're gonna win. And if it wins, nice. Maybe I'll scratch you back. And <laughs> the bet is basically Duffy bet that the Clippers would finish this series in five games or less. And I said, so I only need the, the Nuggets to win two. Yet they won four, and the winner was getting a free ten dollar parlay on the other person's sports book in New Jersey, whichever they use. And uh, here we are. I'm a winner, and I'm gonna cash that parlay in on Sunday. And I can't wait to to win again. Fucking Paul Millsap. <laughs> well, that's it. Subway Sports Talk. We'll circle back on that free parlay and see if we, we uh, walk away winners or not. Chris Mang and John Duffy, Kyle Anderson, Frank Villani, I'm Pete Kennedy. Thank you guys as always. Apple Podcasts, App Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review. Turn the notifications on. That's a nice thing to do every once in a while. And uh, just keep enjoying the show. Hopefully you've enjoyed this one. Tell your friends. Have a great day. Keep enjoying all these great, great sports.